0: The thing i love most about this rivalry yeah everybody's wrong until the result comes in they always say throw out the records when it comes to this rivalry on that day you have to prove that you're the better team in the state of michigan i don't get why both teams can't be great at the same time it doesn't always have to be one or the other i love you man but you're an idiot a michigan michigan state podcast and here's your hosts,
1: Justin Rose and Michael Spath.
0: Ho, 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 Michael Spath. <laughs> I'm wearing red. I've you, got it on. You, you know, you made a comment to me about actually wearing like a collared shirt for mm-hmm. the first time since we've recorded the pod. Yeah. And I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see what the, the people say on, on the video because I feel like I am just such a hoodie guy these days. It's a better look for a pod guy.
1: Yeah, you know, and I, I get a kick out of it because we're recording two episodes today, and I am wearing red, which is great for the Christmas festive season, but, but not for older. not for Michigan's
0: opponents <laughs> in the college football <laughs> semifinal. So, well, the funny thing is, Mister Spath, you are wearing the red. I will be also donning the Christmas red for a children's holiday party this evening, Ooh. where I will be playing. One Chris Kringle. Is this a family party, or is it this is a, a it is charitable a friend's, event? It is a friends family okay. party, and I do not have children, so I am like, well, what can I bring to this party? They're like, well, why don't you dress up as mm. Santa? And I did it last year, and of the 30 kids, it was a hit.
1: I'm curious, though, I guess the day job, you're now, you know, on television or, or you're streaming, you couldn't grow the beard.
0: no and it's also like a red beard and santa has a I, now look my santa is like it's legit it's okay. one of those we did a christmas in july birthday party how a couple of years ago how many cookies
1: and glasses of milk have you consumed in the last couple of days to get ready for this
0: far too many <laughs> you have to really embrace the character when you're getting into yeah. it and so i'm i'm okay. starting to formulate the oh, ho ho from the from the from the stomach yeah it's where all, the cookies yeah. and the Absolutely. milk. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyways, welcome back. It's been a minute since we've uh, recorded a pod it, here. It we- has. We
1: finished Thanksgiving. Uh, we actually, we finished the Big Ten Championship and then. Um, we were supposed to get together last week and then, uh, my family came out with the flu. Mm. Um, we are now fully recovered, although I still have a lingering cough. So I apologize if at some point I have to turn to the side and, and let one out there. But, uh, no, it's, it's, it's exciting to be going into, uh, you know, the, the new year. Um, we've got a lot of college football to talk about the college football semifinals. Uh, we'll offer our predictions on the next podcast. We're going to do two. Uh, and so you will be able to listen to both of them, but there's a lot of talk about in terms of your program. Yeah. Uh, they have landed themselves both a transfer quarterback and a couple of signee quarterbacks, which thank God, cause they had no quarterbacks <laughs> on the had roster. No,
0: I was about to play quarterback.
1: They actually signed Jonathan Smith signed the top rated quarterback in the transfer portal. Um, and I don't know where was he ranked? Do you know where he was ranked among all players?
0: in the transfer portal
1: In the transfer portal, I
0: believe I mean, probably top on,
1: five. If you're the quarterback, you're the number one quarterback. You're going to be top some five
0: publications. Yeah. Had hit, like I saw one where he wasn't even in the top 10 and it was like D lineman, O linemen, oh, couple, yeah. you know, like wide receivers, different Again, things. Again, if
1: you're the number one quarterback, you're going to be in the top but five. He was
0: a top 60 kid. This Aiden Child Is it mm. child's? I think it's child's. I don't know. We'll figure it out when he, when he plays football. Right, when he plays, assuming, uh, <laughs> assuming, it, assuming when, that he doesn't transfer. So, yeah, exactly. yeah, But no, I mean, look, number four transfer class right now for Michigan state. Uh, a decent, I'm not going to sit here and say it's a great recruiting class from the mm-hmm. high school ranks, 18 kids, but they went from like being ranked in the 90s mm-hmm. and now they're somewhere in like the uh, mid-40s as far as like the recruiting, high school recruiting class goes. So that's progress, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like Mel Tucker absolutely. what Mel Tucker's vision of national recruiting, going after the big fish, in theory it's a great idea, but when you miss so often in your plan B prospects, are so differently rated than that. You're going to obviously have a significant drop off. My biggest thing right now for, for Smith and Michigan state's program is like, you got to find, you got to prove to me you got depth. And Mm -hmm. that's something we talked about coming into this year. Mel Tucker thought this was his best roster ever with depth and everything like that. And obviously that was not the case Mm -hmm. Um, in multiple different ways. So I have very low expectations as far as like how competitive they need to be. I mean, get back to a bowl game, win the games that you should, don't lose the games that you shouldn't. And, uh, but, but I would have to say uh, from my perspective, I think what a great job he's done in three weeks Mm -hmm. coming in. Now, granted, a lot of those kids were previously committed to Oregon state. So you do have a little bit of a built-in advantage of saying, Hey, I've already recruited you. You just have to move. Three thousand miles the other way—is that okay with you? Yeah. And most of those kids said yes. But landing, keeping Nick Marsh in the fold—you know, the four-star wide receiver out of River Rouge—that was a big get. Flipping the kid from uh, Petoskey, or uh, uh, up north somewhere, uh, the Pretzkoff kid, Brady—he mm. oh, yeah. uh, was supposed to go to Minnesota, decommitted, went to Michigan State. Uh, you know, so again recognizing that you build a little fence around Michigan, get the guys that you can, you're always going to go up against Michigan. You're always going to go up against Ohio state, recognizing that, you know, obviously late in this process, didn't flip anybody from either of those two programs, but knowing that like, these are, these are the battles you got to start getting ready for yeah. out here. So overall, I mean, what your, your, your thoughts, I mean, I thought it
1: was, I mean, I think he's done a, a great job so far. I mean, in, in a world where being a head coach of college football nowadays, you know, I don't know that you can, I mean, they're talking about signing Jim Harbaugh to the richest contract in the big 10, like 11 to $12 million a year. And that's an absurd number. And yet at the same time to be successful in today's climate, it's almost like "Ah, that's a bargain because you have to recruit your own players back. You have to um, handle recruiting for this national signing day, four and five stars with name, image, and likeness, what the money that they want. And you have to go out there and get into the transfer portal and sign a transfer portal kid you're preparing for a bowl game. A lot of times you're jumping. I mean, it's just so much going on compared to even five years ago, compared to even three years ago. Um, so I don't wish it on any coaching staff. And, and I give them a lot of credit because the, putting together a roster is, is far harder than it's ever been in the history of the sport. Uh, but I think I think Jonathan Smith has done a really nice job so far. I think the one thing that I look at is like when Mel Tucker came in, he brought this huge transfer portal class. And it was allowed him, because of Kenneth Walker, because of other, a couple other pieces, allowed him to compete for 11 wins in his very first season. But it was fool's gold, right? And so when I look at Jonathan Smith, I don't fault him for being as active in the transfer portal that he is because he has to be. He has to fill out his roster. But I would think also what I would look at is like, okay, next year when this time comes around, like, maybe he still has to be that active next year because he still has to fill pieces. But at some point you almost want to go to what Michigan has been very successful doing the last couple of years is having pretty good recruiting classes and then filling it in with six to eight to 10 guys, not 20 guys in the transfer portal, but adding those AJ Barner starting tight end, adding Josh Wallace, a starting cornerback adding, you know, uh, um, Drake Nugent, the starting center, like they went and got like marquee pieces that they were able to put in the starting lineup, but they didn't say, Hey, we need 25 of these guys. You still have to build with a recruiting class because you need guys who understand your program, who, who ideally take a year, two, three years to become the starter. That's still going to be the lifeblood of your program. But in today's world, he has a chance to at least make Michigan state competitive next year. In a much harder Big Ten, by what he's done in the transfer portal so far.
0: No, you're, you're you're spot on, and that's never changed. One thing is stability. Obviously, Michigan has had the same head coach and you know coaching staff. Will they next year? I don't, know. I don't know. Go and coach Justin Herbert. Who knows? We'll see. Obviously, that'll play itself off after the new year and and what have you. But yeah, stability is such a big thing in the in. Uh, just how many kids entered the transfer portal and where they're going. Kyle McCord's going to Syracuse.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like,
0: okay. Like go on kid, get, get, get paid, yeah. I guess. But then you got two, get, you know, Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma transfers to Oregon and then Dante Moore goes to Oregon. So right. there's a competition right there. Yeah. What do, do, what do you make? How do you make
1: sense of Dante Moore? Detroit kid goes out to UCLA and then he transfers and he does transfer to Oregon But he transferred to Oregon two weeks after Dylan Gabriel, as you mentioned, from Oklahoma, who you assume is going to be the starter. Correct. And And all I can think of is, like, did Phil Knight, I mean, did he say, like, hey, Dante, we'll give you a million and a half to be the backup for a year. And then you take over. And then you take over.
0: I mean, I I think he probably should have redshirted at UCLA Mm -hmm. last year, um, simply based upon the fact that, you know, obviously he wasn't ready right? And you kind of wasted a year of eligibility. And that's where like this whole like transfer portal, like idea, it it, as an adult, as a person who's lived through my 18 to 22 year old years, looking back, I can be like, yeah, maybe I wasn't quite ready for the things that I thought I was at that point in time. And a lot of these kids are living in that moment. And it's so hard for them to, you know, you hear the advice from the, you know, the old heads like me, like, sitting there telling them, hey, guys, earn yourself. Yeah. Like, and, like, a, like and that, and that goes back to what? A lot of coaches. Tom Izzo's one, obviously, who's who hates this idea that, well, going gets tough, tough get leaving. Yeah. And and, and so there is th- that point. And now, granted, that's, like, the top echelon. And we're talking about, like, the peak of those kids in the transfer. 3,000 kids entered. And, I mean, what? We're hearing about 30, 40, 50 of them making, like, major impacts mm-hmm. at whatever school they decide to go to. You got, like, 25 20 to 2,950 kids that are <laughs> I mean, trying to find a new place to play yeah. and get an opportunity. So it's, it's very, you know, kind of stick to it. Like, and not all these kids are, are getting trans, you know, all these dollars and stuff. Well, We're it, talking about the, the, the 1% of these right. transfers that are getting actually paid to do it.
1: Right. And for the rest of these young men, uh, I won't call them kids, but the, the rest of these young men, like here's where, here's where I have concern for them in their future is great. You're getting some nal money. And even, but even the one, the players who make it to the NFL, what do you always talk about? Like the money runs out at some point now, maybe in today's world, if you're a quarterback and Jared Goff is a quarterback in Detroit, who's probably going to get, you know, a, a $45 million a year deal. Like the money doesn't run out for you, but for most guys, the money runs out. If you don't find a way to make a second career or you haven't invested really well and what 19 year, 20, 20 year olds going to invest really well. Right. So right. I look at that a little bit. But when you go from when you transfer from UCLA to Oregon, and say it doesn't work out for for Dante Moore at Oregon, say he's halfway through the year and he's like, I'm not starting. Dylan Gabriel's getting all the snaps. They brought in a five star quarterback. I'm going to transfer again. Like, what is the possibility that you are actually going to walk away from your four years or five years with like a legit education, like because? A lot of these transfers aren't, the credits aren't transferring. You're bouncing from program to program and from education opportunity, education opportunity. And while we may, a lot of fans may scoff at the idea that like the amateur athlete and the whole thing, you're still talking about 95% of these people, these these, these young men or young women. 99% of these Are not going to play in the NFL. And so they have to do something with their education. Even if it's just like, I got my degree and here's, I can hold my piece of paper up. So when I can apply for a job, I can say I graduated from college, right? Like, even if it's that simple, but I just, I mean, I look at it and I, I don't live in this fantasy world where it's always, it's a, the education is something right. that a source can sell anymore, but still you have created a scenario. You've created a world where they're just jumping and jumping and jumping. You're saying they're leaving as soon as it gets hard, if they leave, but th- what are the likelihood that they're actually going to succeed as a student going Correct. from place to place to place?
0: It, it, it'll it be remain to be seen, I guess. That's kind of part of it. You know, I've seen plenty of former Michigan athletes and Michigan State athletes that I'm friends with that have now moved on, obviously, from their playing days mm-hmm. and doing really well mm-hmm. and found niches and found the things that they want to do when their post-playing careers have ended. And obviously, they've had to go through, You know, that conversation, I had a great conversation with Jake, Butt the other day we were talking and he wants to get into, you know, doing some more digital marketing Mm -hmm. and like, uh, you know, entrepreneurial type of stuff. And I was just, he were just, we had a 30 minute phone call and just kind of shot the shit. And it was great to hear him say, I want to use, you know, what I've built as a, as a personality, as a football player, as an athlete, and take that into the next like phase of my life. And I was just like, Jake, I am so proud of you for having this, like understanding that you can utilize. And I always tell kids uh, and people, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today without going through the 15 year grind of like local TV. Right. right? I wouldn't have opportunities, the connections, the relationships. So it's like, again, it's hard for me to sit here and like, you know, I'd love to tell these 18 year old kid, anyone who would listen to me and actually take my advice on, here's what you need to do. Play your ass off the right things, but you got to make sure you're setting yourself up for future success by going through the hard shit, by understanding that not everything's going to be silver plattered for you because it is in some aspects and then you get out there and you play and then it's over and you're like, all right, who's giving me something else? And everyone's like, we're good. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, shit. So it'll be interesting. It's going to be a, I think it's going to be a fascinating case study years down the road from now, because eventually the money's just going to run out in general for right. college athletics. And and that's right. going to be the next phase where, where did we go wrong when we look back well, on
1: in years? I mean, two years ago, Texas A&M signed the number one recruiting class in the country with the greatest set of five stars that any of the recruiting services had ever seen. And I think I saw me, it was as of yesterday that like eight out of their top uh, 25 kids from that class were in the transfer portal and were leaving, um, which you know, is, is, is about 30%. And then you've had other players who are, so like that, that class has fallen apart. And it also comes back to, if you're the Texas A&M boosters or whoever, who put this collective together, who spent millions and millions of dollars and what you have to show for it is a six and five or six and six football season <laughs> and a fired, and a coach. fired head coach. <laughs> I mean, when do you, I, I know a lot of these people have oil money. And a lot of other programs have, I mean, Michigan has Google money and Michigan state has Ishbia money, but like yeah. at some point, if you're, these people didn't make billions of dollars by being stupid, giving it, their it away. Yes, right. exactly. So at one point you say like, Hey, and am um, last year I cut you a check for 1.5. So you can go to this, do this. Like, and I've given, I've gotten a seven to five and a six and six football season. Like, no, you don't get any more of my money. Mm-hmm. I wonder when that bubble burst. Um, it's sooner than later. Yeah, I agree. I mean,
0: and that's where it's like, well, all this talk about what, you know, and like, that's where I, I don't know the numbers on on Child's, Child's, Aiden Chili. Chili? Yeah. How about just Aiden? There we go. Aiden. So Aiden's get apparently, you know, one of the top quarterback transfers, and all this talk was top quarterback transfers getting a million dollars plus from NIL. And I'm going, who's paying him that? Yeah. Like, who we've talked about how the collectives of Michigan State right now have kind of gone away a little bit, like mm-hmm. this SD4L thing, still trying to figure it out. You know, what where are they finding that money and, and is he getting a massive NIL? I, I don't know the answer to those things. Yeah. But I think it's sooner than later because I think that the realization that you're not getting a guaranteed investment for your investment. And these people didn't get where they got by making bad investments. Yeah. And yeah. what 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 Watching your football team win and paying a million dollars to do it, that's not sustainable. You're not gonna do that for thirty years. You're not gonna do that for no. five years. You're gonna you're gonna spend five million dollars of your hard-earned money just because you want your football team to win, which is no guarantee. You don't think I'm gonna be spending my money doing that. Yeah. So I tell you what what fascinates me about Aiden
1: Chile um, <laughs> is is Chili. <laughs> What he allows um, Michigan State to do over at least next year and maybe the next couple of years is the same thing when I look at Michigan's recruiting class and Michigan's recruiting class finished in the teens. And, you know, Michigan has not been able to capitalize off of their success, uh, winning the Big Ten title, beating Ohio State. You think like the way that you flip the script on Ohio State, that you would flip the script on recruiting, right? That Michigan would be finishing the number two ranked recruiting class in the country and not Ohio State. But if you look at the last three years, Ohio State's had a better class, I think, in every single year than Michigan has. And you're going like, well, what's what's happening here? And, and a couple of things. One, I mean, I think Harbaugh's yearly dalliance with the NFL doesn't help. Um, but the other thing is, you know, they're just not recruiting. They're, they're not going after the the same caliber as some of the Ohio guys, mm. the NIL stuff. But but I want to come back to this is that they got their quarterback. They got Jayden, Jayden Dan, uh, Davis, Jaden yeah. Davis. And when you look at college football and you look at... Uh, The way that the NFL or the way that couch football has evolved is I don't know that the difference between a Michigan and and I'm gonna probably take a hit for this, but the Michigan offensive lineman and the Northwestern offensive lineman is so dramatic as much as like I think the play on the line of scrimmage is probably pretty comparable across most power five programs. I think what you're looking at is the quarterback play, the skill position players, the difference makers, Mm.
0: the, the, the edge rushers. I would argue the opposite the exact opposite, because here's the thing you can teach. You can't teach four, four speed, but four, four speed. If I run a four, four and you run a four, four and our hands are somewhat similar and our athleticism is somewhat similar, but you're rated a five-star kid, but I'm still running a four, four as a four-star kid. What's the difference? Like my, my thought process is you build the lines and that's what Michigan's done really mm-hmm. good. That's what the Antonio did. When you think back to when Michigan state, cause I said the same thing after our college football playoff, you know, three straight new year, six games, you know, they had won like 35 games in three beat Ohio state won, the, you know, all those from, from 14 to 16, you know, everything was mm-hmm. awesome. And then the 2016 happened and it's like, why didn't we get, well, they did get the four-star kids, but it turned out to be a horrible thing. I guess my point I'm trying to make is you build lines. You can put a 4-4 kid at running back. You can put a 4-3 kid at wide receiver. You get the good defensive backs that can cover that speed. That's where I think the difference is and why Michigan's been so successful in the Big Ten is I would say their offensive line is twice as good as Northwestern's. Mm. I think their defensive line is twice as good as no, like a team like Michigan. And you saw that because that's the brand of football that Michigan has always played. That brings me back to the point where I was kind of raising my eyebrows and you're saying like, why isn't Michigan Michigan's probably happy as a pig in shit with the kids that they got. Mm-hmm. Cause that's who they're, that's who they're recruiting. Yeah. They're not sitting here saying these are all of our B options. They're, they're so in depth with like this recruiting. And I would say by and large, except for teams like Michigan state, where it's like, okay, well, we're scrambling. Okay. Who can we just fill a roster spot? Okay. Yeah. We'll take this kid preferred walk on from a max school because, you know, we need a linebacker. Well, let's take him. He's not a bad option. He's a three-star kid. You know, like that's for Michigan state and some of these other fledgling programs in this, but these consistent groups, the ones that like Ohio state, like a Michigan, like a Penn state, they get the kids that they target. Mm -hmm. And they don't have this massive drop off from, and that was Mel Tucker's biggest demise is shooting for the stars. yeah, And then you're falling and you're not landing among the clouds. You're literally just on the ground and you're going, oh, who's available? Who can we get? (laughs) So I don't know. I, I look at, I look at recruiting just to wrap it up. I think that, you know, there was some, some flipping at the end of the day. I mean, shoot. Nebraska gets the Raiola kid. Yeah. You know, I didn't his dad play there?
1: He did, yes. Yeah,
0: so that's, I think, where that, that happened. Matt Rule finally gets a signal caller that maybe brings Nebraska back to some... Ryola. Big things, line and quarterback. Yeah, you can get... If you get a nice, splashy, you know, flash player and a running... But running backs are kind of running backs and yeah. wide receivers are kind of wide receivers. And Now that you bring up your that. point,
1: I, I think I sound like an... I, I think I might have sounded like an idiot. Well,
0: that's what this podcast um, is
1: for. It is, because... <laughs> You know, you're 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 right, and it's I don't know, man. I just I look at Michigan, and and I think year after year, just like shouldn't they be signing a top five class, a top five class, and they don't. But you're if you look at the offensive line, I think they signed five offensive linemen. Yep. And the way that they're developing offensive linemen right now, they're probably looking at and going like, we could have five three stars, and who cares? Because they're going up against the
0: best. Yeah. And they're gonna you know we know how to get
1: them up. We know how to get Mason Graham who was Michigan's best defensive tackle, I think was either, uh, maybe he started off as a two-star and and he got to a three-star, but like they found a way, they're developing these kids. They do remind me a little bit of Clemson during that that seven or eight-year run with Clemson because they weren't signing top five classes. They were just, they had the right system. They had the right quarterback year after year. And they were just building them up the right way. And now, you know, obviously Clemson's is trying to get back. And we'll see how long Michigan's run lasts for. I heard I heard someone on the radio the other day talking about this Lions run. And like, oh, no, it was a, it was a free press um, Q&A with Dave Burkett. And they're like, you know, do you think this is like the last year of the Lions run? And he's like, well, I wouldn't say this year, probably next year. But after that, you don't know. And I'm like, it's two years, guys. You're just <laughs> going to give me two years. That's all, I'm gonna <laughs> That's get? all we're going to get. Like, But Michigan is on this incredible three-year run. That's why I think they got to win a national championship. A little preview of the podcast coming up. Um, you gotta win a national championship because if you win a national championship and say you have two more really good years and then it starts to fall and you it's you struggle to get back to top three consistently, at least you get to sit back and go, you know what? We won a national title. Mm-hmm. Who cares if we're who cares if we're winning nine or ten games three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, we won a national title.
0: Getting the natty can can help for, I mean, you guys are still living off that. 1997
1: championship. We are 25 <laughs> so, years ago. <laughs> that
0: it's, uh, it's definitely one of those things where if it happened, you know, same thing with Michigan State basketball. Yeah, we, we, won, an, we won the last Big Ten national championship. <laughs> come on, how was that possible? Three I, years ago. So what year uh, was I, yeah. it? 2001. No, 2000. Year 2000. Wow, Mateen
1: Cleaves. Think about, and I say this because, and that's why I come back to like why Michigan has to win it this year is because you think about the Detroit Tigers. God, from 2006 to 2018, what a great run that was! I certainly enjoyed myself, but what do the Detroit Tigers have to show for it? They have two runner-up, World Series runner-up finishes, and nobody, nobody knows who the runner-up is in the World Series ever. Correct. Right? I mean, the Super Bowl might be the one game where you could like, oh, I I, I believe that the Cardinals lost sure. or I lost, but like you go through the other league, the NBA, the NHL, no one ever remembers who came in second place.
0: I. Couldn't agree with you anymore. And same thing with when Michigan basketball made it to those final fours and mm-hmm. national championship games under Beeline. I remember saying, just win it. You're there. Yeah. Yeah. When, when Michigan State would make those surprise runs in the last, you know, in, in the, the high teens, you know, the tooth of 15s. I think he made it in the 18 or 19. Like when they get you, you're there, win the damn thing. Yeah. And neither of our teams were able to get through. So again, you look at Michigan in the college football playoff and – we'll get to the the, the matchup here uh, at the next pod, but like win your first game. Yeah. You haven't done that yet. Do that. And then now you're here. Now you got to win the damn thing.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Well, let's talk about it on the next pod, man. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, con- you know, congratulations. I know that you've been enjoying the stuff that Jonathan Smith has been doing. It's mm. certainly giving you some hope. Hope is fun. Hope is fun because we didn't have any, and we have it with the lions. <laughs> we have a little bit with the, the Pistons. With- <laughs>
0: Ah, the red wings are hot right now
1: nope nope yeah the tigers Tigers have done nothing in the offseason no
0: they've they've not when
1: you have a city that is solely dependent on the detroit lions for all your hope and your dreams what world
0: are we living in right now a michigan wolverine one (sighs) go blue i love you man happy you're an idiot